You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Hello, I'm Willie George. I want to welcome you to this edition of the Faith Roots Podcast, and we're talking about the good fight of faith. And um, uh, a lot of people think that when faith is really strong, that the manifestation is almost always instant, and that is not the case. There are a number of stories in the Bible where there was a considerable gap between the time that someone released faith and experienced the manifestation. And so if you missed week one, it's so very important that you go back and cover that because I address that very issue. There are three stages to a faith battle. Number one, there is the release of faith. Number two, there is the fight of faith. And number three, there is the manifestation of faith. And so those three components are very, very important, and they represent the complete cycle. And uh, when you think that faith only has the two parts, which would be the release of faith and the manifestation, uh, you're missing something. And so we're going to go through a study of the Scripture and take a look at what I think is the greatest single example of a fight of faith that's found anywhere in the Bible. It is the story of Abraham. And for this reason, he's called the father of faith because he had so many faith battles, so many times that he had to use his faith. Now, he did not have great faith early on. The Lord had to carefully develop him. I want to say this about the way that the Lord works. God has to use people. I'm going to say that again. God has to use people because he gave authority to people in the book of Genesis, he said, to Adam, I have given you dominion in the earth. And according to Psalm 8, that dominion extended to every corner of the created universe. Even the stars were made unclean when Adam sinned. And so if the stars were affected by the sin of Adam, then he had dominion over the stars. And that's a hard thing for us to wrap our minds around. But when you think about a perfect person, one who was created with great wisdom, Adam did have it, and he was fit to be a companion of God, uh, then you could understand there are things that he could see that uh, we might not readily grasp. Adam was a lot smarter than we think he was. Now, the church and Israel... Both have their faith or their roots in the faith of Abraham. I want to read to you from Galatians chapter 3 and verse 29. This is uh, 26 translations. Really, it's the Knox translation in 26 translations. And if you belong to Christ, then are indeed you are Abraham's children. Then you are indeed Abraham's children. The promised inheritance is yours. If you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according. Uh, to the law. That's what uh, the book of uh, Galatians says in chapter 3 and verse 29. So God worked to cultivate Abraham's faith because he was going to use faith to bring people into this family. And a lot of people misunderstand this. They think because God gave the law that there was a long season of time that men were justified by the law. 
uh, the Apostle Paul said, by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Everybody has always been justified by faith. The law was kept after men were to be justified by faith. Now what happened is a lot of people switched their object uh, over to the works, their own works, as opposed to looking at God's gifts of grace. But salvation has always been and always will be a matter of faith and grace. Now, when the law was fulfilled and set aside, especially for the Gentiles, when that happened, and for the Jews as well, because uh, everybody in the New Testament age is justified by faith in Christ and His shed blood alone. When that was set aside and fulfilled, what we see is that we were much more able to see the element of grace because there was no uh, focus on the law whatsoever. Now, that doesn't mean that we weren't to keep the spirit of the law. It just means that we were not looking at the law the way that, say, a Jew would have looked at it before that time. And so we are justified by faith. Yeah, the Scripture makes it very clear. And Abraham was justified by faith. So we've got a faith sandwich here. In this great long covenant history that God established with man, he begins it with Abraham. And there were other people who had faith before him. Enoch had faith, but God did not make a covenant nation out of Enoch. And Noah had faith, but again, God did not make a covenant people out of Noah's family. God made a covenant people out of Abraham's family. They were the ones who were called into this covenant relationship. And it extends even to the church today. So Abraham still factors prominently in our walk with God. So we can learn from him. And this is one of the things that, that bothers me sometimes. When I hear people discard the Old Testament and cast it off, as though it doesn't matter, it matters hugely. Now, that doesn't mean that we adhere to all of the teachings of the law to the exclusion of the New Testament gospel of grace. But what it does mean is we can learn something about God's dealings. Those were not wasted. God dealt with Abraham through the spirit of faith. Now, he cultivated Abraham's faith before the law was ever given. So we got faith, law, faith. There's a faith sandwich, very much a part of this. Now, God went after Abraham not because he deserved to be chased. I want you to listen to what Joshua had to say about Abraham and his family. Joshua 24, 2, uh, and this is the New King James Version. And Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord God of Israel, your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nahor dwelt on the other side of the river, that would be the Euphrates, in old times, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river, led him throughout all the land of Canaan, and multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac. So Joshua says it very clearly that uh, Abraham did not come from a godly family. They were not God-fearers. They didn't even believe in the one true God. They worshiped a, a group of gods. And so that's where God found Abraham. He chose him and he brought him out of this place. And we 
say all the time, I found the Lord. No, you didn't. He found you. He knocked on your door and uh, somebody prayed for you. Somebody prayed that the gospel would be sent to you. And uh, thank God you responded. Now let's look at Genesis chapter 12. And we're going to look at the beginning of God's dealings with Abraham. Genesis 12, 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. So God called him to leave his family and to go to this land of Canaan. Now I want to say this that if you choose to walk in faith and you determine, I'm going to have a deeper relationship with God, I'm going to learn about my covenant with God, don't be surprised if there is not some kind of separation between you and some of your connections. And there may be people who fight uh, what happens to you. I, I remember when I first became a follower of Christ and I was really hungry for God. I was determined to dig in. And here's the reason why. I knew that if I did not stay in church, I knew that if I did not stay connected to godly people, I knew that I would not be able to maintain my vibrant faith in Christ. Here's why. I wasn't getting any help at all at home and no help at all from school and no help at all from my friends. Consequently, I knew that the only life stream coming to me was coming through my church. Now, three weeks into my walk with God, my father restricted me from going back to my church, told me I could not go anymore. And uh, I won't go into all the reasons why, uh, but we had an unusual family situation. It was very unstructured. And the thing that troubled me about all of this is that my dad had never really protested about any of the sinful things that I did. My drinking and driving as a teenager. Uh, he may not have actually known some of it, but there's no escaping the fact that he knew that I came into the house drunk on a number of occasions. He knew that. He caught me in wild parties in the house with lots of kids there that I wasn't supposed to be doing. Never said a word to that. Uh, I know that he knew that I had kids in the car who threw up in his car, not just mine, but his car, uh, where kids threw up because they'd been drinking. And so he knew some of that, but never said a word. In three weeks' time after I received Christ, my grades changed. I changed everything. I, I quit going out and partying. Everything about me changed. There was no reason, no natural reason for my dad to say, you can't go to church. Everything has improved. But he did. And it was an attack of the enemy to try to discourage me. But at the same time, God used it. And God flipped it so it would work to my benefit. And I'll explain that later. But don't be surprised when friends or family challenge you 
as you get closer to God. Now the Bible says in Genesis 12, 9, as Abraham continued to walk with God, he came to the land of Canaan, he journeyed traveling by easy stages. Now God will give you simple steps. And that night that my dad said I couldn't go to church anymore, I left my car and I went outside and it was raining cats and dogs. And uh, the only thing I could think of was I've got to talk to somebody that's spiritual. I've got to talk to my pastor. So I had to hitchhack. And I walked a mile from the apartment complex we lived in down to MacArthur Boulevard in Irving. And I hitchhiked all the way to Fort Worth. took about two hours to get there. A lot of people didn't want to pick me up. But I finally got there to the pastor. And I told him what was happening. He prayed with me. But that was it. And so after I'd, I'd taken the step that I knew to take, I didn't know where I would go from there. But uh, as I walked out his door, I sensed go back to Irving, but this time go to your mother's apartment. Now, my mother uh, had had a drinking problem. At the time, she was hooked on prescription drugs. And I knew that she wasn't the most stable person in the world, but I also knew that I could go to church if I stayed with her. And so I went to go see my mom, knocked on the door. Uh, she was in bed, but she opened it up and had me come in, made a place for me to sleep on the couch. The next morning, my stepfather got up and went to work. He had no problems with me being there. And, uh, and so the thing that worked out to my good was I had a place to land where I could go to church. Went and got the rest of my clothes out of my house, and uh, I, I uh, uh, moved in with my mom. When my uncle, my mother's brother, heard about this, it released him. He was a pastor. And it released him because of the upheaval to come into my life and offer a solution. And he said to me, I'll help you go to Bible school. I'll, I know you have a call to preach. I heard about that. And I'm going to help you go to Bible school if you'll come and help me. At the end of this school year, you can move in with me. And that's what I did. And he lived 300 and some odd miles away. But it was a wonderful thing, a wonderful translation. Now, when I did this, I got hit with persecution and confusion from a number of the adults in my life. One of them was my best friend's mom. Another one was the high school football coach who had been instrumental in asking me to come to church where I got saved. And they both worked on me and tried to tell me that I was making a huge, huge, huge mistake by moving in with my uncle. I had to very politely back away from them. The thought of me moving in with my uncle brought the greatest peace to me. And here's why. I knew I would have a very consistent mentor. As much as I loved my current pastor, uh, I knew he wasn't the solution because I could only see him once a week on Sundays. And I needed someone to speak into my life daily. And God brought that to me in my uncle. Listen to me. When you determine to walk in the Word of God, you have to focus on the Word of God. And you can't allow the connection to the Word of God to be broken in your life. Now, I want to read to you from the book of Psalms, chapter 103, and verse 6. It says, The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Here's what that means. It's one of the benefits of walking with God. It means that God will vindicate you in your decisions. And as I begin to walk with God, almost within the year, things begin to turn and people begin to see. 
even though it looked really bad that I left home and I went to go live with my mom and then with my uncle, it didn't take long for people to realize that I had made a move towards stability. And even some of my dad's family began to see that wasn't a bad move for him. We don't blame him for doing that. And after a time, it was very clear that I made the right decision and God blessed my moves. I would meet my wife in the church that my uncle pastored. And uh, she was from a family that our family knew and very much approved of. And so it was something that God did to vindicate me over and again. You will never be able to walk in faith if you care more about what people around you think than you do about what the Lord thinks. Now, don't get me wrong. The Lord's not going to make you an extremist and isolate you and push you off into a corner. He's going to steer you towards stability. Uh, Genesis 12, 9 in the King James, and I'm going to close with this. It says, and Abram journeyed. He's following God now. This is after the first five verses of Genesis 12 that we read. And Abram journeyed, and the King James margin says, traveling by easy stages. God leads us in stages, and those stages make sense. Not everybody approves of them, but they make sense and they bear fruit. And that's how the Lord leads us in faith. This is all the time that I have for today, but we're going to pick up here tomorrow. We're talking about Abraham's fight of faith. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.